Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. Fell. Music Speaks interview. Our next interview is uh, is a very special guest, and I'm really glad he's all here today with us. He has been a musician, a drummer since, and a Latin percussionist since he was 11 years old. He hosts three podcast. He hosts three radio programs featuring music. Musicians live in studio and recorded, and he is a syndicate entertainment journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Danny Coleman. Hey, what's going on, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Great, great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we do. Uh, thank you for being here with us today. Um, it's it's it, it. is it cold where you are? Because it's freezing up here. I'm I'm in South Carolina. You are. I'm yes, in New Jersey. Oh, nice. Where, where I'm in, in South Carolina. I'm in Columbia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the weather fluctuates from hot to warm to cozy, back to cold again. So it, so it it doesn't know what it wants to do half the time, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I know. I got. I have relatives in Myrtle Beach. Oh, nice. I used mm-hmm. to go there all the time. I I used to frequent the the the, the House of Blues a lot, so oh, I've, I've seen yeah. a lot of great bands. Yeah, so I've been there. I've been there on multiple occasions. Every yeah. time I go down, I try to see who's there. That's yeah. a cool venue. Yeah. Oh yeah, very good. Um, I think it's owned by like Dan Aykroyd, right? You know, it's like all of them. I'm not something. sure who owns the House of Blues these days. Yeah. I know it's a, a huge chain. Right. Uh, they have a record label. They have everything. But mm-hmm. I don't know who the, the exact uh, owner is or might be. Or right. yeah. not sure. Well, looking at your um, uh, website, you are a very busy dude. I wonder how you sleep because you have three radio sessions you host. And I want to know, how, do you sleep okay? Because <laughs> <you>, <laughs> yeah, I mean, three sessions is, is a lot of work, you know? And I, was, I don't sleep much. <laughs> I don't blame me. I don't think you do because um, it's been a um, now on a, on a Saturdays or or okay. So you have one called Rock on Radio, and I'm assuming that's all rock and roll and metal classic, right? No, actually, Rock on Radio is a radio program that I started 12 years ago. It'll be 12 years in April. Out of uh, necessity, okay. I was a I was a UPS driver right. in downtown Trenton, New Jersey, and uh, woke up one morning and essentially I could I, I left the house, managed to leave the house, but 
collapsed in my driveway with four herniated discs. Oh, and no. My- yeah. And I had to reinvent myself. So I went back to right out of high school a year or so. I took a year off. Then I went to broadcasting school and I thought, well, let's do the radio. Right. So I reinvented myself and I began a show called Rock on Radio, which aired on uh, on an AM radio station when it started down in uh, southern New Jersey. And I've uh, about three years in, I realized nobody was listening to me on AM radio. They were all listening to me online. So I went strictly internet radio. That's yeah. Rock on Radio. And I feature... Indie, unsigned bands, and solo artists. Sometimes I have actors, actresses, authors, comedians, uh, but it's mostly unsigned indie bands. It's a two-hour live interview, and they perform live, and I play uh, stuff off of their CDs. So, yeah, yeah, it's more indie than anything. Right, and that's totally awesome because most times you never hear about indie people, indie artists. You always hear about these pop and like big but like big time like you know like Motley Crue and John Bon Jovi and you never hear about any kind of indie um indie musicians and I think that's something special because most of the time indie music is better than what's playing on the radio right now I I I agree one thousand (laughs) percent yeah I do get my share of classic rockers that okay. call my program on occasion. This past Sunday, I had the Jock Bartley from Firefall. Remember the band Firefall? They uh, I heard of them. Yeah, they did. Uh, Just remember, I love you, and they had a string of hits back in the seventies. And um, he happened to call the program, so it kind of gets mixed up, right? Here right. and there, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Cool. Well, your second. Um, radio show is Danny Coleman's Got the Blues, and it appears on Mondays from 7, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on www.jazzon2.org. Uh, do you do the same thing with that on your jazz um, radio station, or, or like, is it just like straight up music with it with jazz? That's just straight up music. It's not jazz. It's a blues show. Oh, okay. That's on the- it's on a jazz station. That oh, has a I'm sorry. Of, yeah, yeah. That's okay. okay. It has a couple of different blues shows, but that one actually also airs over terrestrial radio. It's on FM radio uh, in two different locations, and it's HD2 radio, though. Right. So uh, that's uh, – but you can find it, again, jazzon2.org, and that's an hour show, and I pick the best blues music I can find. And I uh, I create a radio show. Nice. It's usually about fourteen to sixteen songs over the course of an hour. Right. And I've got the legends, and I've got some local guys, and uh, anything that's blues music. Nice. See, yeah, I because uh, my mom uh, grew up in uh, Clark's 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 uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi. I'm sorry, Clarksdale, Mississippi. And so I was I grew up with the blues. Um, but I could tell you, but but I couldn't tell you the names of the um, uh, blues artists I met um, because I was like so little, you know, it's hard for me to remember. But uh, they say that that Clarksdale, Mississippi, was the originator of the blues. Do you do you do you agree with that, or do you have any idea of where the blues might originated from? Well, we know that it originated in the Mississippi Delta, right? 
and in in the deep south right. uh, from from pretty much virginia on down to uh, northern florida anywhere there was uh the oppression and slavery and uh and the, the, which the blues music was an outlet for a lot of these people who were stuck working fields and 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 dealing with uh you know less than stellar conditions and and uh for lack of a better term bosses owners whatever they were called at the time but yeah right so um on your website in your bio it says that uh your cousin gave you led zeppelin 4 for your 12th birthday and it literally changed your life forever uh can you uh tell us um or share with us what it was like hearing that record for the very first time and what and, and what what essence did capture you through the Led Zeppelin four? Because it's a great album, a great album. Well, my cousin actually, she just passed away. Uh, oh, I'm sorry about, to hear that. Month, yeah, me too. About yeah. a month and a half ago, um, and uh, <clears throat> she, I had started playing the drums when I was around eleven, eleven and a half, and for my twelfth birthday, she handed me wrapped in the Sunday newspaper, <laughs> this square, and I opened it up and I'm looking at it and I'm 12, you know, at this point I had only been listening to whatever my parents were playing on, on the stereo or on my AM clock radio. Right. And I look at this cover and I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is that? That's not the DeFranco family. Right. So I, she says, if you're going to play the drums, you need to listen to this. Yes. And she was five years older than me. So oh, because well, she knew uh, what was up then. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I remember going in and putting it on, and I, I listened. The first song is Black Dog, and I hear that, you know, the guitar and the, the voice, and I'm thinking, oh, what is that? And then I hear the drums come in. And I yes. feel so, oh my wow. God. You know, what is that? Yeah, that was, and then yeah. rock and roll. And but the one that got me the most was when the levee breaks. And yep, <laughs> that I think what man, that is my favorite, favorite song from the album. I, I, I understand Stay Away to Heaven is on it, but it's when the levee breaks, just, just nails it with those drums, dude. You know, well, when he hit that opening, you know, the beginning of that tune, I, I was. I, I just remember my jaw dropping and thinking, I need to be like this guy. She's right. right. Yeah. yeah, she's right. <laughs> and you know? from, from that point on, I just dove headfirst into, you know, I've had lead poisoning since I was 12. So <laughs> That's a good term. I'm going to use that term. <laughs> I got lead yeah. poisoning. Yeah. Um, now, there was a there was a long, long, a very long debate on who was the better drummer, um, John Bynum or Neil Peart. Uh, I want to get your your uh idea of who was because um it's been said that Lars Ulrich picked John Bonham and I completely 100% agree with him I'm not taking any way from Neil Neil is like you know the man when he comes to drums but I think but I think John Bonham has had that certain something that that put him up with the you know bigger than bigger than any other drummer you know well First of all, I, I always hate that comparison. Right, right. Because they are my number one 
and two favorite drummers of all time. Yeah. Uh, I've been a bottom disciple, as I just <laughs> told you, since I was 12. Yeah. Uh, but Neil Peart had a totally different style. Do you know that one of Neil Peart's influences was John Bottom? Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> so that that's like, yeah, okay. So, but the styles were totally different. Uh, on the very first live Rush album, which has that great version of Working Man on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Getty Lee introduces the drum solo, you know, the professor on the drum kit. And that's exactly what he was. Right. Neil Peart was far more musical than than Bonham because he had to make it fit with, with Life Sin and Getty Lee. Yeah. But for my money, John Bonham set the standard because he did so many things different. Yes. The polyrhythms, the triplets, the the way he would force notes without making them sound forced. You know, the the, the band would be playing in four four. He'd be playing in like you know six eight, and he'd make it come back to the to the one together, and like it just fit. Right. Uh, he used to follow Jimmy Page as opposed to. John Paul Jones. So, and if you listen to any Zeppelin, you can hear Bonham playing off a of page more than John Paul Jones. Uh, he was just, a, he was ahead of his time, so to speak. Yeah, because the bassist and the drummer have to groove together, right? They're, they're, because, because they're the backbone of the song, right? Well, yeah. that's what everybody will tell you, but oh, if okay. you listen to John Bonham, it's if like, you listen to John Bonham, he he kind of goes where the guitar goes and not so much where the bass guitar goes. He goes with Jimmy Page versus John Paul Jones, and John Paul Jones was good enough just to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. So they, they were just, there'll never be another band like, like Led Zeppelin. That's for sure. And I think the reason why they stopped making albums in 1982 with their last one, Coda, which was a great... I don't think that they could find another guy like John Bonham um, to play brand new studio albums, you know, after 82. So, you know. Of course, they got... They got... The, um, they got um, uh, John Bonham's Jason. son. Yeah. Yeah. And they got his, his son to play... I, I think he only played them with them live because I don't think they ever released the album after 82, right? Coda? No. 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 And Coda was just a uh, collection of unreleased material with John Bond. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but I've actually had the pleasure of interviewing Jason Bond. Oh, nice. And first off, he is funny. <laughs> Secondly, you know, he is very respectful of his father. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, he is, <laughs> he told me about the first time he got together to, to play with them guys for that 40th anniversary of Atlantic Records. And uh, I'm not at liberty to tell the stories, but it was some pretty right, yeah, funny stuff. Yeah. Cool, so, cool, yeah. cool. Well, hopefully yeah. I can get them on my show, you know, or, or yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that would be awesome, dude, you know. So, um, with drums being your favorite uh, instrument, uh, uh, who taught you and how would you what was what what's the first thing you would you would tell them to be if if like say if if you were my teacher how would you introduce me to, to playing on drums well now you see i had two drum instructors my entire life i had my first one 
believed in the first couple of months that I took lessons, I had a practice pad, which for those of you who don't know what that is, a practice pad is a little, uh, it's a, it's a wooden square with a, with a big rubber circle in the middle. And for the first month and a half to two months, all I did was build wrists, um, muscle, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, muscle memory yes. in my wrist. Right, 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 left, 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 right, 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 right. And I would do that. I remember doing that one time, and the teacher actually fell asleep. I'm thinking, why isn't he telling me to stop? I look over, he was sleeping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but then he introduced me to paradiddles and so on and so forth. But his method of teaching was via um, records. So once he built up my, my muscle memory in my wrists and showed me how to hold the drumsticks properly, uh, creating a fulcrum and all that good stuff, he sat me down at a drum set and showed me a basic beat and said, I want you to play this beat to this song. Right. Well, a couple years later, I realized, you know, I was getting ready to go to high school and the high school band was going to Bermuda but in order to be in a high school marching band or concert band, you had to know how to read music. And I realized I didn't know how to read drum music because I was taught by playing to records. Right. So I went to, um, excuse me, my nose itched. Right. <laughs> I, um, so I went and I, I signed up for lessons at a, at a music store. And the owner of the music store showed me how to read drum music, and he taught me quarter notes and eighth notes and treble clefs and, and bass clefs and flams and drags and five-stroke rolls, seven-stroke rolls, nine-stroke rolls, paradiddles, and all the things that go into uh, essentially, you know, being a drummer. Uh, and then he, then he gave me a book, Modern, uh, Modern Beats for the Rock Drummer, mm -hmm. and... Uh, it was <laughs> just it showed you where the bass drum should go and, and it essentially was the beats that most rock drummers use and then they gave me a jazz book and then he gave me so i learned all these different styles that way so if i was telling somebody that didn't know how to play the drums like my son came to me he was 12 he said dad i want you to teach me how to play the drums and i said no and he says no you won't teach me. What do you mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I said, I got three words for you. Play the harmonica. <laughs> right. The drummer's the last, the first guy there, the last guy to go home because right. he's got to set everything up and unload everything. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I eventually, I, I sat him down and he lasted for about two weeks. And so forget it. This is too no, I'm going back to <laughs> harmonica, right? <laughs> so, uh, but uh, if I was telling somebody how to play the drum, you got you've got to learn the basics. You've got right. to combine. You've got to combine the two teachers I had. You've you've got to know how to read music. You've got to know how to play music. No. So, if, and you've got to be able to practice and just right, 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 left, 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 left mm -hmm. is huge, and and that's builds up your your wrists and allows you to do rolls and the rolls drum rolls are the basis of every single beat right right 
so one thing that I did realize was I don't, I'm not sure if you heard of um, the band Cannibal Corpse, but their drummer Paul plays open hand and not cross handed. Um, do you find that that cross handed is more um, more of a play, more of like a better playing style because more and more drummers I see now play cross handed instead of just open handed. Well, I mean, to each his own. When I was younger, everything was match grip, you know, holding both the sticks like this the same way. Right. As opposed to traditional, which is one stick this way, and um, what, can you see that? And, yeah. and one stick like this. Okay. Oh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. As opposed to like yeah. this. Right. Uh, it's, you got to do what you're comfortable I know drummers who violate every rule I was ever taught to, to, to abide by. Right. Where they take their wrist and they literally play up and down like this instead of like that. Really? And, and That's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. Hey, but it works for them. So mm -hmm. if, if it works and you're comfortable, do it. You know, and you know. and <laughs> play, go for it. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, yeah. it's not throwing you out of time, then go for it. Right, right. So we talked about your, one, your favorite drummer of all time, John Bonham. Um, is there any drummers that you that you see and hear on the radio or you're at your house on YouTube or whatever that you find very very good, like as of right now? Drummer -wise? As of right, as of right now, I gotta be honest with you, <laughs> I don't find much of what's on the radio now very good. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I I think it's overproduced. I think it's too mechanical right i think it's too uh, music has become too sterile yes uh, <clears throat> there are a few really good bands uh i'm sure that are out there but for my mind and again i'm an older guy you know so uh, uh you know i'm in my 50s so i grew up a classic rocker i mean i saw like that t-shirt i saw all the cool bands i never got to see zeppelin though i had tickets and then robert plant's son died and the tour got canceled and then i never got to see him right. but i have seen jason bottom multiple times i have seen heart i have seen yes heart, right. i have seen jethro tall i have seen the i mean the, I, george thoroughgood um rush i've seen every rush tour since 1980 Wow, uh, awesome. which was bittersweet for me because that night that I saw them for the first time was the same day that John Bonham died. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer was my first concert. My third, the the number three drummer for me was always Carl Palmer. Uh, the guy was amazing. Yeah. And yeah, and the list could go on, but like right now. Um, the guy, uh, who's the guy from the Foo Fighters? Um, David Grohl. Grohl. Yeah. David Grohl. Yeah. Drew a blank there. I, I like <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> too much, me uh, too much music in your brain to actually get it out. I, I completely understand. Yeah. I like his style. Yeah. I do. Uh, and I mean, there are tons of great studio drummers. Yes. But you know, it is what it is. And and there's a bunch of studio drummers you'll never hear from. There's a few right here in Jersey who are incredible musicians that were studio musicians that that hang out in a lot of the venues that that i do mm -hmm. uh pre-covid so to speak right. but yeah. and there's some really good guy i have a friend who's a phenomenal studio drummer he's recorded with uh 
Tony Bennett, Nora Jones, Mary Wilson of the Supremes. I mean, he he's toured with her. Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, and and you 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 never know him if he's walking down the street. He's not famous, but you he's probably been on more recordings than you know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, because I man, I totally agree with you hundred hundred percent about music nowadays. Because um, when before this interview with you, um. I was going to a record store with my friend, and uh, Roxette came on the radio, and uh, it it was, um, she's got the look, and I was like, where did this music go? I want this to come back because because Roxette has some really good, you know, I mean, really yeah. good music, and I'm like, where where did it all go? Because you know, nowadays it's, it's not anything like it was back in the '80s and '60s and '70s, and with which I never grew up in. The, I was born in 1980, so I was. You know, but, but 60s and 70s music are just, just phenomenal. Well, and you see, there's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more distractions. Yes. Today. Yes. When I was a kid growing up, you played either baseball or football. The seasons didn't cross each other. You didn't go from baseball into soccer, into ice hockey, into football, uh, basketball. There was, uh, the, you essentially spent a lot of time at home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. many, many people took an interest in their older siblings' records or their parents' music. Uh, and, and music was a viable alternative to sitting around and doing nothing. Today, people don't have that opportunity to really sit around and do nothing. Their kids are going here or in this sport or running there in that sport. They're always got their head buried in their phone. Like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, there's, there's so many more distractions now that take away from the ability to, to really appreciate music kids today are more i remember when guitar hero came out yes fantastic everybody game. all of a sudden there's a resurgence in people wanting to play guitar which is great which was great yeah you know right? uh and i think now with everybody being quarantined and home and uh playing it cautious i think that uh gibson and fender i i heard from a, a blues guitarist who's actually he lives in israel but he had told me because he's endorsed by Fender, I believe that uh, nice. they're having they're having the best year in sales in a long time. So if if that's getting people interested in playing music and and the guitar again, that would be a good thing. Yes, uh, you know because otherwise, and now you can just go on YouTube and look up anything you want. Right, you can teach yourself <laughs> how to play the guitar in a week. Right, yeah. <laughs> Or, or 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 sooner, you know, because uh, kids now right. nowadays just pick up faster than any any other generation could, you know. And I right. think that's also a great thing, you know. Could be a could be a curse too. I don't know. But, uh, plus, you, well, you're right. It yeah. could be, but plus, yeah. you have to understand that the music that was coming out of, like uh, Mick Jagger said, you know, <laughs> the Rolling Stones took American blues music, regurgitated it, and sold it back to the Americans. And 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 that's true because yeah, yeah. You know, all those bands that came out of the British invasion and the '60s and the, and the '70s, all that music, all rock and roll is based on blues music. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. It all comes back to the blues, 
and and even if if you listen to Led Zeppelin one, that's just a blues album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Page just redid some Willie Dixon tunes and Sonny Boy Williams and stuff, and boom, now you got an album. Yeah. One or two originals here and there, you got an album. But it's all based on the blues. And that music coming out of the UK at that time, after the, what they called the British invasion, uh, but even past that, past post Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Right. Uh, you got into the late 60s and then the folk scene around around Manhattan and Greenwich Village. And you know, they had all these, these different bands experimenting uh, in the late 60s, the Woodstock era. All that music just, there's been nothing like it ever since. Yes, yeah, right. Because the, the 1970s was a series, really, of one-hit wonders, with the exception of the bands that came out of the 60s. <laughs> the Stones, The Who, the, yeah. the Led Zeppelin, uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, oh, great band, yeah. Right, The Guess Who, Bachman Turner Overdrive. I mean, they all became... Well, Bachman Turner Overdrive's out of Canada with Randy Bachman. But they're guys, great but, music, dude. You know, I mean, you yeah. have, like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, going back to your to your radio um, career, um, I learned that you have celebrated your 10th anniversary on April 26, 2019, right? Yes. Congratulations for that, man. 10 years is a long time, you know. Uh, yep, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so... What was it about music that inspired you to talk talk about uh, that? What was the what was it about music that inspired you to have a career talking about music on radio? I mean, because because you, you you could have talked about anything you wanted to, but music was your 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 number one choice. You know, I I love music. Music has never failed me. If I'm having a bad day, I listen to music. If I'm happy, I listen to music. Right. If, you know, it's never lied, it's never cheated, it's never stolen, it's never uh, not been there at the flip of a switch. I don't have to go looking for it. Music is everywhere. Right. And, and for me, what led to it was when I was 15 years old, I went in the recording studio for the first time. 24-track analog tape recording studio. And we entered, my band entered a contest from a local radio station called Unsigned Heroes, and we actually won. And nice. during the voting, what would happen was people would call in, and we had a lot of friends. So it was a, basically a popularity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I remember being at a local church carnival, and I, I've told this story multiple times in multiple interviews, but I don't mind telling it again. I, I was at a local church fair, church carnival, and a, a girl I went to high school with came up, and she dug her nails into my arm, and she said, listen. I said, ouch, what are you doing? She says, listen. And I happened to listen and look up, and one of the wheels of chance had a radio tuned to the station that we were in this contest. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sure enough, I heard myself on a radio. Nice. And I had chills from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from head to toe. 
I'm gonna take a drink of water real quick. Sure, take your time, man. And I had chills from head to toe. And I was like, wow, that's me on the on the, the big radio station. Right. So when I hurt my back at UPS, I thought, I wonder if I can give that thrill to other musicians. Give them a platform. Unsigned people, people like us back in 1978 <laughs> who didn't have a record contract, who didn't even know how to go about getting a record contract. You, know, you would you would make a cassette tape, stick it in the mail, and address it to Columbia Records and hope it got to the right people. Right, yeah. yeah. If you didn't know where it was going, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, so I thought if I could give bands a platform to, to hear themselves on the radio like I did, I'm going to go for it because I'm one of them. I'm a musician. Right, yes, yes. So, which actually works to my advantage a little bit because I understand what the musicians are talking about. I'm not just some radio guy reading questions off a script. Yeah. Anybody can go there and say, oh, all right, so where are you from? Who are your influences? What year did you start playing? What made you start playing? You can do all those things. Yeah, but... I, for me, I'm a musician, so I'm, I pretty much understand their passion. <laughs> right, right. If that makes sense, I don't know. Oh yeah, that that makes clear a bit, a, a big sense to me. Um, I agree 150 percent about what you said about music. Music is everywhere, and I, and I made this podcast for other people, not me. Um, I do have depression, and I just want people to go and listen to us forever, forever um, however long our podcast is. Because I want to give them the, the sense of there, there is there is goodness out there, you know. Um, I just want, I, I, I just don't want them to, them to feel like I do when I'm depressed. And music moves me in such, in such a way it's, it's not, not, there's no words for it usually, you know. So, what are, what is uh, one song that you th that you can think of um, that just moves you in such a way that that you can't tell anybody about. I have. That I can't. I mean, no, like, like. That I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. No, but um, it, no, because there's some, there there's some there there's um some songs that you can't express the way you feel when you hear that song. You know, for me. Okay. It's Eric, gotcha. Church, it's Eric Church's Talladega, you know. When I hear that song, there's something comes on me, you know, and I start to cry a little bit. <laughs> Not much, but but if if I were to tell you how I felt about that song, I don't think I could put it into words correctly for you to understand where I'm coming from. Is there a song that you that moves you like that? I have a few of them. Okay. Actually, yeah. I, I I have um, my favorite. Zeppelin song of all time is off of Physical Graffiti, which is actually, ironically, my favorite album. Okay. Led yeah. Zeppelin 4 is not my favorite album, <laughs> but Physical Graffiti is. Okay. Uh, at 10 Years Gone always gets me. Yeah. Uh, but the song, that there are two other songs that uh, really get me. Number, number two 
is uh, <clears throat> Into the Mystic by Van Morrison. Yes, I got the album like right over there. Hang it up. There you that's, go. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that has special meaning to me. When my daughter was an infant, she's now 25, but when she was an infant, uh, she used to. Uh, if she woke up fussing in the middle of the night, I would get up and sometimes she just couldn't calm her down. Right. And one night I happened to put that song on. It was actually, I was watching television. It was in a movie. I didn't even have to put it on. It's in that movie, uh, Benny and June. Oh yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden she just went right out. Hmm. So the next night she starts fussing. I go over to my stereo and I put on Into the Mystic and she would go right out. And I would just hold her and sway with her and she would just sound right out. So that always has a special memory for me. Yeah. But the, my favorite song of all time that has reduced me to tears <laughs> uh, at the 10th anniversary party for Rock on Radio, actually. The band, my producer, my producer, Claire Henwood, who did a fantastic job running that entire event. Uh, her and my, my engineer, Art, <laughs> she got together with, the, with every musician that performed that night <clears throat> and had them learn Dobie Gray. Um, <laughs> God, I'm thinking about it now. I can't even remember the name of the song. Um, Drift Away. That clap, man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used to. I mean, for me, that's the key. You know, give me the beat, boys. That frees my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I just put my headphones on, and you know, when I was sad or tired or lonely, especially in high school, and I'd put that song on, and instantly felt better. You know, it kind of had this <clears throat> this soothing thing. And if you're a musician, you get. It. Yeah, yeah, you really get it, but yeah. yeah that's, that's so that's funny. my three. Well, I, I I agree with you on on the um um W Gray one and the Van Morrison just just floors me every time I hear it. You know, there's something soothing about his voice. It really calms me down. You know, when I'm having a rough day, and like 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 you said, music is always there. You know, so there's yep. never there's never been not a time where I didn't have access to music. You know. Correct. Because music is so easy to um, get to nowadays. You have your phones, you know, you, you, you literally take music everywhere you go now, you know? Well, music has always been everywhere, even before smartphones and tablets and and uh, that kind of thing. Because listen to a television commercial. There's yeah, always right. television commercials. There's always jingles. You can find music anywhere. Steve Hackett. <laughs> who was the original guitarist in Genesis, said to me one time, he said, uh, yeah, we put this album out. We were looking for different ways, to, things to use for percussion. He said, I went up to the kitchen and grabbed a salt shaker and used it as like a shaker. Yeah. 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 Because it gave it a different sound. I mean, music can be found everywhere. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've actually heard people saying, you know, I got into drums and I couldn't afford drums, so I made drums from pots, pots and pans. You know, because like you said, if you drop a pan a certain way, it gives you a different sound as opposed to when you drop it another way, you know, and that's last great. year, last year, James, I had to go up to Epic Records. I was invited up or two years ago, I was invited up to Epic Records 
It was a great day. I got to hang out with Judas Priest. Nice. All right. Nice. So, uh, and uh, <laughs> and I and I go up there, and on the way back, I, I'm crossing Seventh um, Avenue in in Manhattan. And on the corner at the traffic light is this kid sitting down on a on a beach chair, and he's surrounded by white spackle buckets, pot lids from from pots and pans, pot pot lids, a uh, several milk crates, and all he's got is a pair of drumsticks. And this kid was playing, and you should have heard the sounds that he got out of this makeshift drum kit. I mean, it was great. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I had a guy come on. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Johnny Winter? Yes. Yes. Okay. Johnny Winter had a guitar player by the name of Paul Nelson. Paul actually happens to be a, a friend of mine. Okay. Paul used to tour with Johnny Winter, and was his stage manager, was his guitar player, was his driver. He, he nursed Johnny back to health, got him cleaned up, uh, the whole bit. Uh, there's a DVD, Down and Dirty. It's all about Johnny Winter, and Paul is throughout the, the DVD. Right. Uh, well, Paul is from Connecticut, and he was doing a show in Jersey, so on his way by, he said, hey, why don't we meet you at the radio station, and we'll do a quick promo for the show. So all the equipment was packed in their trailer. So the drummer who played with Walter Trout for eight years, the drummer did not want to unload the drum kit and lug it up two flights of steps to the radio station. Right, yeah. yeah. So what he did was he took a chair, a folding metal chair, like you would see in school with the arm that flips over, right. like, a, like a chair desk. Yeah. And he used uh, Chinese bundle sticks on that. You listen to what they played live in studio, it sounds like a drum kit. It was just really amazing. So yeah, wow. so it's not necessarily what you have, but your ability to make music with it, that counts. Exactly, so. yes sir, yes sir, I totally agree with you. Uh, I have two more questions for you and then, and then I'll uh, let you go. Um, have any of the, of of the indie bands or musicians that you have interviewed on your on your radio station, um, gone on to be signed by a big record label. Not that, to my knowledge. Up. Okay, they've all been signed. A lot of them have been signed by by smaller independent labels. Right. Um, but none have been signed to a major record label like Sony or Capitol or. Epic or EMI, any no, none of those. Wow. Not to my knowledge. Right. Not to my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because because it's always good to uh, give the indie musicians a, a, a voice, you know. So so that maybe they can they can branch out to bigger and better um, companies. But it's it's good that I mean it's it's also good that you know they're getting at least signed, you know. So, well, so that they getting... I will. I will say this though, they have gotten, they have gotten gigs, they have gotten opportunities, they have gotten um, <clears throat> requests from these companies, right. uh, these smaller companies, uh, you know, to, to reach out to them. They have, uh, 
they have done a couple of uh, commercial jingles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> from what, from what I understand, yeah, uh, awesome. their music has been used in a couple of different things. So, yeah, I, I, because it was because they were on my show, uh, who who can say? But to answer your question, some of them have gone on to bigger things. Yes, I got it. Got it. Our last question is is a is a very um, special question for me because. Ever since I was 14, I've listened to nothing but Metallica. Metallica and me were one in the same, right? As I grew up, I have grown, my my music catalog has grown immensely and vastly different. Um, and, I, and I always ask, and I always ask um, the people who have on this show, who do you, who would you recommend for me to, to broaden my music? catalog even more which which bands do you do you love and that i can probably get into well (laughs) one of the newer bands that i absolutely i love and i say newer they've been around for about at least 15 20 years but they're (laughs) they they don't get the respect that a lot of bands do are a a group called flogging molly i i I heard of them yes sir they're great flogging molly they're in the same vein as the Dropkick Murphys, and uh, uh, they're just a good, hard-driving, uh, I don't want to say they're a Celtic band, because they have an Irish influence, which you can't, you will, you, you can't help but hear, Right. but mm-hmm. they just, they're just a great band. They're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Really? Ever. Oh. Yes. Wow. Without a doubt. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yep. So. Yeah, because I saw the Dropkick Murphys, and that was a really fun show. And I can only imagine what, what a Flogging Molly concert would be like. It's amazing. Right? <laughs> I saw, I actually saw the Dropkick Murphys by accident. I happened to be in Boston. I happened to be at the Hard Rock Cafe. Right. All of a sudden, all these, all this equipment starts rolling in. I said to the guy, who's here? He said, well, it's a Dennis Leary benefit. And, uh, okay, nice. For yeah. the, the thing he did with the firefighters, I can't remember what it was now, but right. I said, well, who's the band? They said the Dropkick Murphys. I was like, I am going nowhere. I'm yeah. staying right here. I'm staying right here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because when you, when, man, when you experience a Dropkick Murphys, you, you know, you keep wanting to go back, you know. So, yeah. So I'm kind of, kind of mad about we have to stay inside, you know, because of this COVID, you know, so. Cause they used to come to Murder Beach like all the time, so I I've only saw them once, but it was a great, great, great show. Oh yeah, they're a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we do again. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm sorry that I haven't got back with you in such a long time. It's been busy with all this COVID stuff, and you know, life happens. So, we do appreciate you coming on for sure. Well, James, first of all, thank you very much. I appreciate you asking me and getting back to me, and I'm I'm always um, always glad to talk uh, to people about music about the radio shows. Um, um, if people want to find out more about me, they can find my website, which is yes. dcroor.com. And you do have a Twitter, and he's at rockonradio on uh, on twitter.com. And I couldn't find your Instagram. Is that down right now, or do you? Uh, it's it's Twitter and okay. Instagram are the same thing. Okay, at okay. Okay. Uh, website is Danny Coleman's rockonradio.com, or the quick thing is DC. Coleman underscore got and on 
Instagram is DCGTV. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, Facebook is Danny Coleman's got the most. Right, okay, cool. Well, well, we all, well, we always um, want you to come back later on and uh, talk with us more about music and, you know, where it's, where it's taking you. Um, you know, this has been a truly eye-opener um, interview for me. So, once again, I do deeply, deeply appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, James, and best of luck to you with the podcast. I was, you know, thrilled to be here, so thank you. Okay, thank you, sir. Have a good night. You too. You've been listening to the When Words Fail, Music Speaks podcast. Stay tuned for more, and thank you for listening.